0: another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are talking about week 13 of college football. We sure are. Rivalry week. Rivalry week, indeed. It was a lot of good games. We
1: had two of them that were especially good with the game. And the Iron Bowl, which just had an insane ending. But from what I see, we're not talking about players from either of those games.
0: No, I don't. N- nobody from the game made it in, nope. uh, unfortunately. But still, plenty of rivalries, big and small, across college football. It was a great weekend of action. And more importantly,. It is a signal that the college football regular season is nearing its conclusion for the 2023 season. This is only the uh, – we only have two more weekly breakdowns, Colin, for the 2023 season before we switch gears to 2024 draft season at Camp Dynasty. And I, I, I won't speak for you, but I got to tell you, I'm ready, man. We It's been – months of of watching these games talking about these guys on a week-to-week basis but i'm starting to feel the itch i'm starting to feel the hunger i I, i'm assuming everybody is kind of getting ready for what comes next and we're almost there man it's always draft
1: season at camp dynasty that's the (laughs) beauty of it it (laughs) so
0: when it actually
1: gets down to draft season and like you have the full season to look back on and you get to move into the next year and you know start talking actually about landing spots and you know combine performance and senior bowl i mean that stuff is right around the corner uh but here we are to finish this up with a little bit of rivalry week action
0: yeah let's do it man two more weeks of breakdowns start here with a really really nice slate of players once again this week and i'm starting to wonder if maybe i did something wrong i upset some gods or something because i've once again lost the weekly coin toss tails has prevailed at least three weeks maybe even a month straight at this point (laughs) are you using the same coin every time no Okay. I've I've switched up coins. I I've tried everything, man. Tried the
1: I I, I thought maybe you you were using the same coin every week and it had a little weight disparity, but oh, I guess it's,
0: they just want you to have it. The they dynasty want gods
1: have it. want me to talk about Braylon Allen apparently <laughs> because that's who I took with my first pick this week. Uh, he is getting the felling defenders badge for his performance against minnesota he had 26 carries 165 yards two touchdowns uh had 113 yards after contact in this game which is his best on the season Uh, his next best was 112 against illinois so you know two of those games this season he four six missed tackles. Three of them came on a 50-yard touchdown, or not touchdown run, a 50-yard run, which then set up a four-yard touchdown run uh, that made this game 21-14, to which eventually would have been the deciding mm-hmm. score in this game because Minnesota would not go on to score after that, and Wisconsin held the axe after this game. So Braylon Allen uh he's been a little bit enigmatic this year but games like this show you the the potential of this player and kind of give you an idea of who he can be and the allure of the almost 20 year old you know turns 20 in two months getting a little old (laughs) (laughs) but it shows you the allure of the this very young running back in a dynasty scope
0: well and so a few things but first and foremost the age thing i do think we need to remember that I, i think i lose sight of it sometimes like this is a player that is a year or two years or maybe even three years behind some of these running backs in this class right now in terms of just pure age. So he is a, like you said, an enigmatic player this season, but this was really a hallmark performance. And he spoke about that after the game, even, I mean, this, the the Minnesota game, you know, it means so much, this rivalry, the axe, and all of that. He called this one non-negotiable. We were going to walk out with the axe. It was non-negotiable. And he got asked, is this the last time you're going to play in this game? And he said, you know, we're going to find out. But he, he said so with a smile on his face. The We're, we're getting to that point now where his, his college career is winding down. It's been a really special career collegiately and what will he be at the NFL level that's what we're going to find out man but I got to say I you know this this running back class has been a little bit interesting we've kind of you know the wide receivers are can steal the show this year but we're we're getting to a point where I'm starting to get a little bit re-excited about these running backs I think they're fi- they're all finishing strong they're putting out some good tape right now and Braylon Allen no exception to that
1: what do you think of the narrative of, like, cold weather running backs?
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah? we Remember, we, we did the whole thing with Charbonnet last year. Yeah. Remember that? I do. I, I love it. I believe in it. All right. Hell yeah. So, we got some cold weather running backs coming up. We, we sure do. Uh, are we moving on already? Do you have anything else for about I, Braylon?
1: I, I just – I'm cool with Braylon. We're, okay. we're going to talk about him in length. All right. This, you know – winter its upcoming months yeah uh so as long as he declares yeah you know yeah so i think he will (laughs) that
0: smile on his face in that interview said everything he didn't say i'll say that
1: i I I think it's similar with him and like marvin harrison where marvin harrison kind of was like yeah this is my last time doing this i'm never gonna be michigan it's like all right
0: well he's moving on cool good to know um well okay great segue i wanted to make sure that i was getting the alley oop there I, I you know we're still working on this chemistry okay. oh, yeah uh, yeah the tosses uh, <laughs> are yeah you know, it's only been like a year and a half yeah um, well i almost made a timberwolves reference and then i was like that does not belong on this podcast
1: timberwolves are a good team right now they By are the way,
0: a they are a phenomenal team. Were one would say the best team in the NBA right now. So you, just saying
1: you might say that. You were a tortured Timberwolves fan, and now they're back. So I'll let you have that.
0: Thank you. Um I'm glad you also let me have this one because while I didn't have the first overall pick in this week's draft, I did get the player that I wanted, and that is Notre Dame's running back, another cold weather running back, Audric estimate player that we have talked about a few times this year go all the way back to week zero when he made an appearance and at that time it was kind of like okay yeah see what you got here audric we we've reached a point now here week 13 where i i think he's firmly on the radar here as one of the you know more talented running backs in this class um and you see why in this game this week against Stanford, who has been a very juicy matchup, especially for running <laughs> backs this year. I mean, this is like that Colorado thing from last year. Like yep. they, If they're playing Stanford, chances are they're getting a badge. Well, Estime had 25 carries in this game for 238 yards and four touchdowns. I'm giving him the Will Breaker badge because, man, he is a wrecking ball. It has got to be so demoralizing playing defense against this player, getting arms on him, getting bodies on him, and just having him time and time again just run through these tackles and end up with massive yards, 10 yards, almost 10 yards per carry in this game.
1: Audrick Estime is – tied for third in all of college football this is every division fbfs fcs division two and division three football Wow! he's tied for third in touchdowns uh and he's only fumbled the ball one time if you want a reliable tough running goal line back that will run through arm tackles that i mean you can trust in almost any situation that also blocks his ass off, this is your guy. I mean Estime is a a throwback old school type of guy. And, you know, I, I brought up the the cold weather back because of Estime. I mean he is like the picture of the cold weather back. I mean, the guy you can hand it off to twenty five times in a cold game I mean this is not a cold game because it was in California but you know hypothetically if it was in December in that one of those Midwest outdoor stadiums one of those Northeast stadiums in Buffalo Green Bay in the snow you could see Audrick punishing some defenders and that this is the type of guy that can carry an offense late into a season and uh one of those guys that a lot of offenses are kind of you you get the, the you know sexy finesse back and then you're like god I wish I had somebody to go get those like dirty yards and Asme is that exact kind of player.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it and that opens up the conversation to what is his NFL role? And I'm as the season has gone on, I'm starting to believe that he is a pretty complete running back like I think he got pigeonholed a little bit because of his style of running and his size 5'11 227 of being this you know bruising downhill running back he's going to be your short yardage guy for sure but you know beyond that can he be the featured running back in an offense I'm not going to say that I have the answer to that question but I think this season he has put a lot of things on tape that suggests that he is more than just that sort of a, you know, change of pace, you know, big body running back. He's got some legitimate agility and burst and even some speed. I think the combine, you know, we're going to start talking about this more and more now, but this player specifically is one that I'm already very interested, very intrigued to see how he tests, because that's going to tell a lot about, you know, what he ends up being and where he ends up getting drafted in the NFL draft. But uh, just to paint a little bit of a picture of, you know, the the versatility, the, the amount of tools that Estime has. In this game, 140 yards after contact, okay, that's 5.6 per attempt. That is what you know that he has. He is a bruiser. He is impossible to bring down. You bring an arm tackle, you're going to end up on the ground, and he's going to keep running. But what he also does, how about 15 missed tackles forced in this game? Leading all of college football running backs this week, 15 missed tackles forced, and, and that's coming with his short area quickness that he does have. He's got elusiveness. He's got the ability to make guys miss in short areas. And then also five runs of 15 plus yards in this game he has real burst real acceleration and finishing ability at this size he is a more complete running back than I think people are giving him credit for and he's a player that is climbing my boards as far as I'm concerned
1: he after contact he would have had the the 12th most rushing yards this week in all of
0: college football that's nuts that's crazy Absolutely nuts. The one thing I want to say, too, before we move on, there's one play that I think really sums up Audric Estime in this game. It's a fourth and one play. They give him the ball, and there is penetration immediately, and there is a Stanford defender that has two hands, two arms on him three yards behind the line of scrimmage on a fourth and one play. He shakes that guy off, gets to the edge, bursts up the sideline and finishes for like a 10 yard gain. So you go from a negative turnover on downs play to a 10 yard gain with this player. And I think that right there sums up what Estime brings and what he can be at the NFL level.
1: He's had a little more acceleration than you would you would think looking at him.
0: Yep, hundred percent. That is a huge. Yeah, I. Miss, it's like a misconception thing. Like yeah. if you think, oh, oh, estimate, yeah, he's the big bruiser, break tackles guy. No, no, no. This is like I'm not going to say he's like Charbonnet, but this is that sort of a situation where you got to kind of rethink your archetype of a player. He does not move like a player that you might think at this size. Yep. All right. Two talented running backs to lead off week 13, but let's head over to the group that has dominated the 2024 campers thus far, the wide receivers. So we're moving on to
1: a guy that we have talked to or talked about many times this year, and we are talking about Rome Odunze from Washington. He had a buck 20-20. And seven catches and two touchdowns don't know why i said it that way seven (laughs) catches 120 (laughs) yards two touchdowns on 11 targets uh a great game he was their only receiver that really produced in this game i mean washington had one of their tougher matchups of the year this year i mean you've seen if you've been watching week in and week out it seems like washington is a buzzsaw offense like Multiple 100-yard receivers. Penix is going over 300, 400 most weeks. This week's it, it was not that way, but Odunze still shined. He's getting the wasn't built in a day badge. He was, I mean, just pretty dominant across the board. He had one touchdown came on broken zone coverage. The, the safety never came all the way over. There was miscommunication, you kind of tell, between the flat defender and the deep zone. But the second touchdown was just classic, you know, exactly what you expect. He he gets that sideline, back shoulder, contested catch with the guy face guarding him. Doesn't matter. Still comes down with it. Gets two feet in bounce. Touchdown. Uh, He also was getting some solid separation on – he had a a curl route where he just completely lost the guy. I mean, he – Got, sold him upfield put on the brakes turn around got a few extra yards afterwards kind of carried the guy with him another six seven yards so uh Odunze has been really impressive through this whole season uh this wide receiver class is going to be really hard to rank come you know when we do mock drafts and wide receiver rankings in the offseason so I mean Either way, I'm really excited to to dive in and and see what the you know down to down looks like with Odunze, but so far it looks excellent.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked about him last week. I mean, I it's a th- it's just a thing. Like, I don't have much else to say with Rome. It's like he is here, yeah. absolutely. Like. I came away, I watched most of this game, and like you said, Washington has been in some tough games recently. This has not been the flashy, you know, we're going to put up 100 on you offense. The last couple weeks we talked about the rainy game against Oregon State last week. They grinded that game out. Odunze plays a huge part in that. And, again, in this game, Washington State, it seemed like everything was kind of working in their favor was set up for a, you know, an upset here. And who's the guy? Who's the guy that Washington turns to time and time again? It's Romo Dunze. He makes all of the plays for them. And, I mean, in this talented wide receiver room, we've talked about some of these guys. uh, Jalen McMillan has been banged up this year, but Jalen Polk has kind of arrived as a draft prospect in his own right. Even then. Odunze is a cut above those players. It's very apparent. This is a first round wide receiver talent. And I came away honestly from this watching this game and being like, I don't care if my dynasty team needs running backs, I don't care what position my dynasty team needs. I'm drafting all these wide receivers. <laughs> like, yeah. All of these wide receivers are so good, and Odunze, it's shocking that he might be wide receiver four in a draft class because he shouldn't be. I know. I, I was
1: thinking the same thing because I'm like, well, pfft, Odunze is a wide receiver three in this class. and It's like, well, <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's, you know, we were arguing Keon Coleman and Malik Neighbors for wide receiver two not too long ago, and so, you know, who do you – who do you push aside to move Romo Dunze off the board? And can you, I mean, these are all the questions that we'll be getting into in the, you know, the nitty gritty, the, the rankings episodes of like, who do we actually think belongs at the top of this class? And uh, how elite are like, what are the tiers and you know, how high should these guys go in the sense of an actual draft? Because you could argue that, You know, four of the top six picks should be wide receivers, and uh, totally fine with that.
0: Might even say four of the top Uh, five. I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. But we'll get there. We'll figure that part out sooner rather than later. We got a mock draft coming up here in a couple weeks. Sure do. uh, All right. Let's talk about an IDP. Earlier than we've ever talked about one on this show, we talked about chop robinson last week but i got a linebacker this week how about peyton wilson from north carolina state i felt like we had talked about him at some point but i realized that we talked about him on the freaks list episode so this is his first badge uh but what a good player i mean just this game against north carolina So here's another big rivalry game and North Carolina state just dominated this game. And on the defensive side of things, it was almost entirely because of Peyton Wilson. Um, I'm giving him the magnet badge because everywhere the ball was Peyton Wilson was right there. Uh, This game, he had 12 total tackles that's a PFF number. I did see 15 somewhere else, so might have even been better. Uh, seven stops, two forced fumbles, one of which resulted in a turnover, I believe. A sack and a pick, <laughs> a diving interception on a tipped pass. So it everything that a defensive player can do in a game, Peyton Wilson did it in this game. Uh, But it was really that the pure linebacker play that when you watch this game, where is the ball and where is number 11 and they're always right next to each other. He was everywhere. He was making great tackles, wrapping super effectively, taking great angles, coming in at full speed, wrapping guys, didn't miss a tackle in this game. He's been a very sure tackler all season long. This is one of the top linebackers in this class. Now, if you remember back to the freaks list, we talked about the fact that there are some significant medical red flags with this player, and part of him coming back to school this year rather than declaring last year was him wanting to prove, hey, these are not red flags. I am a guy, I have a long career ahead of me, and I should be a damn high NFL draft pick, and he's working his way there this year. Can you explain what stops are for the crowd (laughs) at home? Yes. So if you're unfamiliar with the uh, jargon created by pro football focus, a stop is a, a play that essentially results in a failure for the offense. So you could talk about like a stuffing a run play or, you know, things like that. That is a stop. Yeah. So he looked
1: incredible. In this game i mean magnet is a great way to define it um 15 tackles i'm, I'm seeing on espn yep. which i i'll usually go to for defensive stats because pff just kind of makes up defensive
0: stats well i will say this too uh just to give them a little less credibility they do not have a pick like they did not list logan wilson as have or <laughs> peyton <laughs> peyton wilson maybe a little foreshadowing though uh, they did not have Peyton Wilson as having an interception in this game, but he certainly did.
1: He has an interception listed on Yeah. Here. I, on, I watched it with my eyes. On ESPN it's listed.
0: Yeah. And PFF did not list oh, it. Gotcha. Okay. That's what I meant. Yeah. I
1: see. Uh, yeah. So eight solo tackles, seven assist tackles. But, yeah, also, uh, I mean, the the fumble that he forced was on Drake May. He ripped it out, and it was a turnover um and man uh, he's just the the freaks list is a, a good way to preface this discussion because he is I mean unreal athletically he's just flies everywhere and he once he gets his hands on you I, it's so it's over the play is over and that's also summed up by the stops I mean When you talk about a guy that is stopping you dead in your tracks once he gets his hands on you, you're talking about the elite linebackers, the elite off-ball linebackers in the NFL, the guys that, like, hunt you down, track you down, and get you in the dirt. And that's the type of player that he is. So, I mean, really talented player not bad in coverage i mean he that is due to his play recognition you can see him floating around in zones and not getting you know over like he doesn't jump at things he's not a super jumpy he's a very smooth cerebral player and then once the you know the key triggers he goes and then it is all the athleticism kind of takes over and he fires after wherever he's going and then, you know, gets the mitts on you and does stuff like he did in this game.
0: Yep. And also we we've, we've talked a lot about size with linebackers, specifically as it relates to a guy like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. who comes in at two thirty. Peyton Wilson is a little bit bigger as well. Six, four, 238. So he is very athletic. He's a little bit closer to that prototype size, if that even exists anymore in the NFL. And yeah, I think the only thing really stopping him is the, is the medicals. If, If everything checks out medically, he should absolutely be one of the top linebackers in this class, especially based on this body of work. He came into this season trying to prove something and he's having easily his best season at the college level this year.
1: He's got 138 tackles on the year. Yeah, That is evenly split between solo and assisted tackles. Do you know what uh, 138 divided by 2 is? Real quick, 69.
0: Nice. There it is. Nice.
1: (laughs) He also has six sacks on the season. Um, So, I, I mean, only... His worst tackling game is seven total tackles. Uh, he's had double-digit tackles
0: in nine games. Yep. And he um, hasn't missed a tackle since week six. He is sub-5% missed tackle rate right now. Very sure tackler as well.
1: Unbelievable. He had 14 tackles in
0: week six. You can miss one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll allow it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about another running back and a guy that we recently talked about. Let's talk about Cody Schrader.
1: Uh, He's getting the Gateway Arch badge. So I don't know if you saw the stat that they put up in this game, but he rushed for more yards than the Gateway Arch is tall. Oh my God. <laughs> in this. <laughs> so, yeah, 27 carries for 217 yards and one touchdown. Uh, I mean, just a dominant season from Schrader and another dominant game against Arkansas this week. Um, you know, before the season, if you would have told me that week 13 we'd be talking about a running back in the Arkansas Missouri game, I wouldn't have told you it was going to be Cody Schrader. And uh, here we are because he has been fantastic this season. We talked about him uh, two weeks ago, I believe, against Tennessee uh, when he had 2.05. And it's just been consistently great. He's averaging six yards a carry. He's got 13 touchdowns. He consistently breaks off big runs. He has 36 runs of 10 yards or more. And – I, I again, I don't really know what Schrader is as an NFL talent, but it just seems like he is a fundamentally sound running back that has some juice, and I don't know where that brings you, but I think he's worthy of a dart throw come draft day.
0: Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I think about him as well. I mean, this, uh, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't expect this to be like suddenly, you know, he's having a phenomenal season, but I don't expect this to suddenly be like, oh my God, this is one of the top players at this position in the draft. I do think he is a day three running back that has some juice, that has a little bit of, you know, this immense production behind him a guy who clearly knows how to win at the running at the running back position and is an elusive player uh this was pretty much the easiest game of his entire season as far as i'm concerned like he made 217 look like a piece of cake and it was in a lot in part to this arkansas defense being horrendous they it was just like these zone runs where he had all the real estate in the world. And I mean, it's the first game since week one that he didn't force a missed tackle. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) that's what he makes his money on is that short area quickness and, and acceleration. So um, he is a, an interesting player. That's for sure. One that I think will be more of that. Like, let's see where he lands. Let's see what the opportunities are, but man, we talked about it two weeks ago. Gave him the underdog badge. Don't count him out. He's been proving people wrong literally since he stepped foot in D two college football, and here he is in the SEC dominating.
1: I, I just feel like there, he's like got so much polish, and he's good in uh, different kinds of like he he can do all kinds of different running schemes. Like you see a lot of guys and uh, like alabama or georgia where they run kind of the same s- scheme over and over this inside zone in alabama where they're going either off tackle or you know they're going with that inside zone read and it's the same thing over and over and schrader they have a more varied approach and it feels like he can do a lot of different things and he's a very polished player and I just feel like that's going to translate somewhere. And whether he's a day one starter, I don't expect that. But, you know, opportunity comes down the line. I feel like he could make something happen with that.
0: Called him Blake Corum Light for a reason. You know, it's and, you know, maybe there's questions. Maybe that starts a conversation about Blake Corum and his NFL ceiling. But I'll leave that for a different time.
1: We don't like Michigan here, do we? It's I anyway. Just, yeah. Sorry, well,
0: <laughs> snubbed. <laughs> the all disrespect. Right. Let's uh, let's talk about one of my favorite players in this draft class, but one that has not been talked about all season long. That is Jacob Cowing, wide receiver from Arizona. If you forgot, I brought him up. Few times in the preseason, as a player that I expected could rise up the boards a little bit, loved what I saw from him in 2022. Thought he might even, you know, declare after last season, put his name into the draft, opts to return to Arizona. And it has been a massively regressed season for Jacob Cowing in terms of production, especially. Um, Arizona, by the way, like, I don't know if people realize this, but they're like top 15 ranked right now. This is like a really good team with really talented skill players. Tedaro McMillan is a wide receiver who had 270 some yards in this game against Arizona State. We'll be talking about him next year. He's already one of my favorite wide receivers for the next year's class. But Jacob Cowing. Didn't quite hit that 270-whatever, but he did have 157 yards on nine catches and one touchdown. That was Cowings' first 100-yard receiving game of the season, Colin. Week 13, uh, and this is a player had had 1,000 yards receiving last year in a very crowded wide receiver room. Remember Dorian Singer was also here last year. 1,300 yards the year before his last year at UTSA. I don't know what is causing the regression here, but what I can tell you in this game, he looked like the player that I thought he looked like. You know, he was explosive. He was shifty. He was creating yards after the catch. I'm giving him the Mobile Man badge because I really think we're in for a situation here. Very similar to the player that we we brought up alongside of this name. If you go if you remember, go all the way back preseason. Jaden Reed was the name that we brought up. Could this be a Jaden Reed arc? Remember, Jaden Reed did not have a dominant statistical season at Michigan State last year, but he got to Mobile and he showed what he had. In those one-on-one drills, in all of that, in the senior bowl practices, suddenly people said, wait a minute, Jaden Reed, what the hell is going on here? I'm not saying Cowing's going to be a second-round draft pick when it's all said and done, but I think his story is yet to be told in this 2024 draft class.
1: Jaden Reed's really good, man. He he (laughs) is really good. Uh, This was his second game where his a dot was over 10 yards that kind of encapsulates what this season has been for jacob Cowing. it's the the usage has been different than maybe we'd like it to be we uh we're hoping he'd be a little more of the wide receiver one in this offense he'd be getting worked a little more creatively but it seems like he's you know being used in the short area and you know, showing off that yards after catch that he's so good at. Uh, The other game that he had in dot over 10, he was targeted three times and had two catches. So, I mean, that doesn't really count. (laughs) So he really only has this one game, and it was his best game of the year, like you said. And he did all of the things that make him a guy that – should be someone that you think about cuz he is so talented and he's really really good with the ball in his hands. He's a smooth route runner like he checks all of my boxes. Like I don't know how he became like a you guy and <laughs> I never like latched on and became like a Jacob Cowing fan, but he he checks all the boxes of a wide receiver that I like and I think the the usage is just not indicative of who he is as a player and potentially a team is gonna invest in him and, you know, bring out the best in him, but we'll see. I mean that that's a long way down the road. As of now, I I love what Cowan can do and I'm excited to see
0: if a team lets him shine at the next level yeah i completely agree especially with what you said i don't think his role in this offense is necessarily indicative of what he can do in an offense they use him very gadgety it's a lot of motion it's a lot of quick stuff a lot of screens getting him into space but he's got some legitimate route running ability. And I, I don't know if they're utilizing it to its full potential. And a player here also 5'11", 175, a little bit on the smaller side as well. Well, guess what? We're learning that that really doesn't matter all that much. If you can separate, if you can run routes, if you're fast enough, doesn't matter. So This
1: is kind of big for today's NFL.
0: Yeah, 175,
1: <laughs> Jesus, man. Jeez. Maybe get on the, the, the weight loss plan. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> over half his yards are after the catch. Yeah. 400 yep. and something, 415 was it? 471, I think. 471. 471 out of 716 yep. yards are yeah. after the catch. So that's well over half. That's almost
0: 60-something percent. So, uh, Jake Cowley. Look and, out for him, man. Yeah, we're gonna find out. Keep your eyes peeled. Sleeper. Hey, we're getting ahead of it. When we get to the Senior Bowl and Jacob Cowing's got those clips on the timeline, like, oh my god, look at Jacob Cowing. Just remember this moment.
1: Yeah, the social team might have to dig through the archives and get yeah. this one back out. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're gonna find out what uh, happens with Jacob Cowing, but well, we don't need mobile to help us figure out this next player colin no we don't uh malik neighbors is next up
1: uh he's getting the ice badge because he in the fourth quarter with uh i believe it was nine minutes left he had a 20 yard catch and then a 20 yard 21 yard back shoulder touchdown uh to put this game out of reach did the, 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 he iced the game they were up by three and then this touchdown put him up by 10 and he that that ended up you know starting the run to close this game out for lSU he's just so damn good man like i i can't believe that we're watching this player and he's not the wide receiver one in this class. Because I I don't know I, – I don't want to, like, go back in history and be like, yeah, he'd be the wide receiver one in this class and that class. But, I mean, there's not many classes where he wouldn't be the wide receiver one. He is just uh, such a, a smooth player. And he is so threatening to a defense. You, you wake up in the morning – in a cold sweat if you're a defense coordinator and you got to play LSU next week because Malik Neighbors is that guy and you can see it with defenders they are terrified of his speed and that allows him to do whatever he wants underneath like he's racking up these gaudy numbers because defenders are so scared for him to get behind them and a, a few weeks ago, I talked about him making big play after big play, and he's still doing that. Like in this game, like he had those two back-to-back twenty-yard catches to put this game away, and that—that's just a little bit of his game. Like I, I don't know. I, I'm running out of things to say about Malik Neighbors. Well, how many how many badges does he have?
0: Is this a record?
1: I. I'll I'll go back and check while while you're
0: uh you're
1: you're giving your analysis
0: because I mean we've talked about him it feels like every week like it we don't talk about Marvin every week we don't talk about you know Keon we haven't talked about Keon Coleman in a while we talked about him last week in a call home Neighbors is just the definition of consistency this year and like I've said before you know it's, production statistics it's only a piece of the puzzle and it's a a fairly small piece of the puzzle in the grand scheme of things but I mean 1545 yards so far with a game yet to play I mean 14 touchdowns for this player it has been an unbelievable season for him and like you said it's hard to even comprehend that this is not the best wide receiver in his own draft class. And that's why I keep coming back to this idea of, okay, Marvin is Marvin for a reason. Okay. But just because there is a generational talent at the top does not mean we need to pretend like he is in his own stratosphere in terms of this wide receiver class. Like, Neighbors is close enough to Marvin that I'm like, this is a no doubt top dynasty wide receiver. The second he gets drafted, like that's where I'm at with Malik. And we've talked about it before. How does he win in a lot of these cases outside of his peer, you know, route running technician, you know, all of those skills that he has after the catch. He is one of the most fun wide receivers in this class to watch after the catch. So you throw in the separation ability at all levels, his ability to win from multiple positions at multiple areas of the field, and then you get the ball in his hands and it's the nightmare is not over yet. You know, like <laughs> he catches it and in this game against Texas A&M he had five missed tackles forced. You know, there's a lot of games here, three, 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 two, four, five, you know, like he gets into these open areas in the middle of the field and it's hard to bring him down on top of it. So he really is a complete package at the wide receiver position and one that I think is very much one of the top players in this entire 2024 NFL draft class.
1: We have three players that are tied for the most badges in camp dynasty history. We have Marvin Harrison Jr. with five, we have Malik Neighbors with five, and we have
0: Troy Franklin
1: with five. So talk about this wide receiver class. Yep. (laughs) We're setting records, (laughs) baby. Yeah, that's, that's where we're at, where we just can't stop talking about them, and this week I mean, Marvin could have got a badge this week. He played really well against Michigan on the team that was Troy Franklin could have got a badge this week. Yeah, so these guys, I mean, have been fantastic all season. And Neighbors uh, should win the Bulatnikov Award, I I think. I mean, he's put him and Jaden Daniels should be both receiving awards come award night because of, I mean, these incredible stats and how they're putting them up i i mean i surprised that lsu is not a better team but yeah their defense it's, i mean it, it could use some work
0: yeah then the nine and three i'm wondering if it's gonna hurt them specifically Jaden daniels i'm yeah. wondering how much they're gonna weigh that but i mean the blitnikoff sign, seal deliver it man this is the winner i mean he has been the best wide receiver this year no doubt about it and he deserves it
1: it's interesting that we're in a place where Marvin gets a lot of Heisman talk. And I understand, like, I get it. I think Marvin's a better wide receiver. But it, when you look at historically how they give out these awards, it's a lot of statistics and team success and all that. And I, I just I find it interesting that Marvin specifically is in those conversations and all of these receivers that have been statistically better and uh, maybe not more important to their teams because I think Marvin is kind of the engine of the Ohio state offense, but I don't know. That's, that's a different conversation, I guess.
0: So that's literally what I said last week. Yeah, I was like, why is neighbors not the wide receiver that we're talking about in the, in the Heisman conversation? Because, I, he's he's lapping the field right now the entire you know all of college football neighbors is running away with the wide receiver production you know award this year and again you know nine and three a wide receiver you're not going to win the award but ohio state now marvin's not going to win the award either yeah because now they're out so
1: i think i actually know the answer it's cal mccord
0: yes i i'll <laughs> say it again imagine if stroud was there this year oh, man man would uh, we don't have to imagine much we saw it last year what it can't what it could look like with stroud and marvin that's true could have been something even more special this year but stroud's well, doing just fine in malik, the nfl
1: malik neighbors has uh and 70 more yards than the next guy in college football malik washington who we have talked about a fair amount of times three and four are troy franklin romo dunze so we're talking about a lot of players that are not only filling the stat sheets but are legitimate nfl talents he's also second tied for second in the ncaa in receiving touchdowns behind his teammate brian thomas
0: jr so
1: LSU offense is pretty potent.
0: Sure is. All right, let's talk about one more running back this week. We had a lot of them in the show today. It's kind of a breath of fresh air, a little bit.
1: little resurrection of the running back position today.
0: It really was. And how about my running back one, Trey Benson? Because that's what he still was a few weeks ago when we did a midseason rankings check-in. I held on to the player that I saw in 2022 film. Trey Benson is really good. I mean, he he's really good. And I don't think that this season's performance, and I said this the last time we talked about him, I don't think this season's performance is indicative of his level of talent or his NFL ceiling. I think he's a more exciting draft prospect than he is a college football player right now when i looked at this game and i watched a lot of this game you see a team here florida state just lost their superstar starting quarterback jordan travis we got the backup quarterback in this game playing against florida you know big rivalry game here again on the road they're playing in the swamp Playoff hopes are on the line. You lose this game, you're way out of it. They turned to Trey Benson as this game went on. You saw it happening. You saw Benson getting more and more carries as this game went on. And it got to the point where I think they understood this is our best chance to win this game. And what you end up with is 19 carries, which is a season high for Trey Benson. 19 carries, they gave him the workload, 95 yards and three touchdowns. Those were all of the touchdowns that Florida State scored in this game. Uh, he was the MVP in this game. I mean, he, They won this game because of Trey Benson. And I don't know how you evaluate this season based on the workload that he got you know this the limited carries that he got and what does that mean and what does the regression in the elusiveness mean you know we're forcing less missed tackles we're not running through contact as well i come to a game here against florida on the road where they turn to this player and i say why not trey benson why can't this be a featured running back at the nfl level
1: I I think he not only can be a feature running back, but he should be a feature running back. This is a Aaron Jones situation where the where he was underutilized his first few years in Green Bay when he was clearly the most electric runner on the team and one of the most dynamic players the most dynamic playmakers total on the team. So why not give this guy the ball more? And, I mean, 19 carries, season high, like you said. And he does what he's been doing. There's the, the bad plays where, you know, he's trying to make a play. The one that I'm talking about where he is like, running backwards and, like, searching for a a spot and then, you know, making it worse by running back more and reversing field, and then there's the good place where he is shedding tacklers and bouncing off of people and using that elite contact balance. And, I mean, you take the good with the bad because the good is so good, and the bad is teachable. I would say it's it's very coachable where you can just be like hey man you got to take your losses you got to cut your losses and move forward and that is something that a running back can learn I mean it's not something like fumbles where a lot of running backs that have fumble problems just kind of have them I mean you can coach it out of them but it's a lot harder than being like hey I understand you want to hit a home run but sometimes you just gotta take three yards and get down. And that's okay. Uh by the way, Trey Benson has not fumbled this year. Yep. I was just
0: you know. Nope, I get it. And I was gonna say it's it's that comment that you just made, very topical because we just got our you know, one of our top dynasty running backs, Brees Hall, in the news his head coach saying, you got you to gotta hit more singles, man. Yep. Stop trying to hit the home runs. You got to hit more singles. But I like that home run mentality Me in these players. I mean, Kenneth Walker was the same way at Michigan State where it's like, yes, he's going to get stuffed a lot of the time. He's going to lose yards on carries. And it's been the same way in the NFL, by the way. But when he finds that spot, he's going, it's gone. It's a touchdown. It's a big play. It's a momentum shifter. You know, like I like that mentality in these running backs. And I think Benson has that, like you said, and I want to also say, I said, 19 carries that's a season high. I got a couple more season highs. How about 94 yards after contact? And if you remember, I said he had 95 yards rushing in this game. 94 yards after contact. He he was like, they had bodies in the backfield constantly. He was making something out of nothing. Nine missed tackles forced as well. Little bit of that Trey Benson of old. Little bit of the player that we expected to see. Making guys miss constantly. And you point to that third and final touchdown in this game. He puts the game away. It ends, you know, it's late in the fourth quarter, 26 yard touchdown run. We're, and go watch it. I can't describe it to you <laughs> in an audio format and do it justice, but I will say he made at least three guys miss on that play and fought his way into the end zone to win this game for Florida State, keep the playoff hopes alive. This was an amazing game. It might not have been the craziest stat line of the week or anything like that. This was a very very good running back performance and something that uh is very encouraging.
1: So, this is his most missed tackles for since week 10 last year against Miami. Uh and he he had his career high in missed tackles for us last year also. You want to give me a guess on how many it was? How many what's his career high in missed tackles force in a game? Oh, it's gotta be insane. Uh sixteen. Eighteen. Jesus. He had eighteen week zero last year against Duquesne. Oh, I I remember that game. Yeah. We talked
0: about that game on we, Camp
1: Dynasty. We did. So shit. Uh, yeah. Uh getting back to you know what we loved about Trey Benson going into the year, doing that a little bit this week against Florida, against, like you said, a team that was getting penetration against this Florida State offensive line in a game where they had to rely on their run game because of Jordan Travis's injury. So, uh, came through when
0: they needed it most. That is the Badges for Week 13. There's only one... More week of badges here for the 2023 season. Time flies craziness, but there's still time Colin for two more calls home. And we're going to make one of them right now. IDP call home. How about that? A first tier at camp dynasty.
1: You got to (laughs) really, you got to really mess up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to talk about IDPs at all. I, well, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> we just lost all of it. Damn all it. the IDP uh, people turned it off. No, we love IDPs, and this is why we're calling home here because we hold these players to high standard, excited about these players. And one player who we talked about in the preseason, he was an honorable mention all the way around player that had a path to being a top five idp in this uh, in this draft class it has not gone particularly well for barrett carter this year this is a linebacker from clemson the other linebacker from clemson remember jeremiah trotter jr was a top idp top three idp for both of us coming into the year carter was right on the outside looking in A little smaller than Trotter even, but a little more athletic. Uh, We're calling this week, specifically, Colin, and the number that I'm going to tell you to jump off of and run with it, five missed tackles in this game against South Carolina.
1: Yeah, that's 62.5% of his attempted tackles in this game it is just and that is i mean he's missed 22.2% of his attempted at tackles this year one in every five holistically what, the yeah.
0: season 22% one in
1: basically one in every five of his tackles he's missed a little more than that that is really bad and i mean he's only had 59 total tackles on the season also. Uh, I mean, it's just been a disappointing season all around from a guy that we were hoping would be half of a exciting athletic linebacker tandem with him and Trotter. Trotter has been impressive this season. He's been a guy that we are excited about. He's gotten a badge. I mean, somebody we have talked about that will be in the top five come idp offseason breakdowns bear carter on the other hand is not going to be in the conversation because of what he's been doing this season i mean it's just not a player that an nfl coach can be comfortable putting like giving real meaningful snaps to because of the missed tackles like you can say it's size or whatever but Players that are this size are not doing what Bear Carter's doing.
0: Well, it's not mutually exclusive either. Right. Right? Like, the size was was part of the problem with this player. And now you see this mista- the miss tackles going way up this year. I mean, it was already a little bit of an issue last year. That was one of my knocks on him. We're at about 13% last year. Let's clean that up a little bit. Now we're skyrocketing to 22% and I'm not going to say that his size is helping him in these situations. So it's it's been interesting. There was there was a collection of of people I think because of the type of player that this was that liked Bear Carter over Jeremiah Trotter Jr. coming into the year. And I think what we've seen is The issues with Carter, the issues that I had with Carter coming into this year being a little bit exacerbated in a major way this year. He's small, even for this, like, Camp Dynasty don't care about size shit. Like, he's still small, like, even with that in my brain. Missing a ton of tackles. He was also really good in coverage last year. I haven't seen all of his reps in coverage this year, but I can tell you that PFF has him pretty substantially lower graded in coverage this season. So I, that at least tells me that there has been some regression in this player's ability in coverage this year. So, really, across the board, it has been a disappointing year for Carter, a guy who's only in his third year. And, you know, maybe this is a situation where he just returns to school and tries to prove himself a little bit because i think uh like you said right now that draft stock it's not looking great for this player so in
1: idp leagues tackles are currency that is what you need as an off-ball linebacker and another thing is snaps are currency in the idp world i mean You're looking for players that are playing a lot of snaps that are racking up tackles. And Bear Carter, in week 12, played his highest snap total of the season against North Carolina. And he put together a four-tackle performance in 72 snaps. I mean, it's almost, like, hard as a middle linebacker to have four tackles in 72 snaps so i mean you're talking about a guy that has regressed in terms of tackling he's regressed in coverage it's just been a tough year for bear carter and so got to give him a call home
0: we sure do but the good news colin is that we don't end on bad news at Camp Dynasty. It's time to gather around the campfire and reminisce of the campers of old on All Grown Up. This week... There's one player that we haven't talked much about this year, and I wanna bring him up. I just wanna get your thoughts, and he had a pretty nice week this week. I'm talking about Zay Flowers. A player that we liked a lot, obviously, was in this collection of you know the wide receivers that we're taking mid first last year. Player that I actually liked as the wide receiver, two independent of landing spots in this 2024 or 2023 draft class, but one that's been a little quiet this year. This Ravens offense, you know, we this is kind of what folks were a little nervous about is the passing volume. But what we saw in this game this week was get the ball in his hands, and he'll make plays.
1: Yeah, today ice this game that they played last night against the Chargers with a 37-yard touchdown run, 31-yard touchdown run. Uh, either way, I mean, he just looked like the most dynamic player on the field. And doing it specifically to the Chargers kind of dig the knife in a little more. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, talk, we talked about Johnson uh, – Last week, I believe. You
0: see what happened with him in this game.
1: Got benched. Coach's decision. And then Zay Flowers puts this game away, and yeah, kind of, like I said, dig the knife in a little more about the the decision to go Johnson over Flowers. And I mean, size doesn't matter, man. <laughs> so that's what we're coming back to, and I, I think we should have known, because I think. There was a point in time where I said uh, Boston College's quarterback is the worst Division I football player I've ever watched. And yeah. I, I feel like maybe that could have been a sign that Zay Flowers was unbelievable and should have been given a little more credit than even we gave him. Uh, but, I mean, in this game, he, he wasn't – super effective through the air he had the one touchdown on the um kind of leak out back side of the rollout where he's just running away from a guy and there's he just has no chance uh love that and another thing i just want to say jason garrett (laughs) we, we can't do this again Oh, God. We can never do that Sunday night football, Jason Garrett. Because I I just, the reason I bring that up is because I remember his call on the touchdown. He's like, man, (laughs) not many people running with him. And, like, that's it. (laughs) Great job, Jason. I was like, all right, Jason. Okay. Uh, But he also had uh, the bouquet toss celebration, which nobody liked. I thought it was fine. You know? His second celebration was better. Did you, did you see the the yeah the what Ronaldo? Oh, the yeah the free the kick. Su- the, yeah, the yeah. free
0: kick one. Yeah, yep.
1: that, that was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, his depth of target pretty low. Uh, he's kind of being used a little more gadgety than I would like because he's you know a real wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, five catches, twenty five yards in this game, and then the run to cap it off was pretty sick.
0: Yeah, so a couple things I want to mention with Zay Flowers. So first and foremost, the Dynasty value of this all, he is holding pretty firm. I'm impressed that the community at large, specifically KTC, which is hyper-reactive, has stayed pretty calm despite a modest rookie season for Zay Flowers. He is currently wide receiver 16 in Dynasty, that puts him one spot below JSN and one spot above DK Metcalf. So he's in this tier of guys that are talented players. And what do? You, why are we?
1: I just I can't believe DK Metcalf is below. Well, Zay Flowers and Jackson Smith and Jake.
0: I'm not gonna pretend like that's you know how it should be. <laughs> but I'm mostly like okay, I'm I'm seeing good players around. Yeah, Zay no, Flowers I, I name. get you.
1: <laughs> yeah tank Bell's the dynasty was 14 right now
0: yeah it's it's a weird world to live in that's for sure but uh more importantly than the ktc reaction rankings is something that i talked about with quinn johnston which is the reception perception data which once again i will not spoil in its entirety because go support matt Harmon and the the magic that he does but uh Basically, what you need to know about Zay Flowers in the midseason rookie report that Matt Harmon put out is that everything looks great. And this lack of production is not indicative of what he is doing on a week-to-week basis. And in fact, Matt says that he believes the best is yet to come based on what he is doing uh, in what Matt refers to as big boy routes. Uh, against man coverage so that is one of his favorite terms is if you win those big boy routes it's usually a pretty good sign that you're uh, something in the making and and that's where we are with Zay right now so um, good to see both that he is finding some success here later in his rookie season and also that we have not uh, penalized him as a community for what has been a fine rookie year 613 yards right now
1: okay so when you open up ktc you know you get the the keep trade cut question so super flex patrick mahomes oh god justin jefferson justin herbert and
0: they really <laughs> got to come for you like yeah, that. yeah
1: right i'm like man what a, oh my god
0: I mean, honestly, I think it's yeah, kind of easy.
1: I mean... I, M-
0: Mahomes, Jefferson, Herbert, right?
1: That's what I did. Yeah. But I was, I was sitting there, and I'm like, God, you're really <laughs> <laughs> making making me think here. That, that was a big one. Usually it's like Durham, Smythe, <laughs> Pat Fryermuth, or...
0: Yeah, I had two free agents when I opened Royce it today. Royce Freeman.
1: It's like, all right. <laughs> but... Yeah, uh,
0: man, Bijan, big game. He's back. I, it was a bittersweet game. He took over the game. He won them the game. Yeah, that's a bad thing. We don't want them to win games. No, we don't. But we do want
1: Bijan to look like this. I, they, they finally used him. I mean, two weeks. Well. Yeah, two weeks in a row he had 22 carries in Week 10 against Arizona. He had 16 carries in this game, Uh, 95 yards and 91 yards, a touchdown on the ground in each game. Uh, He had six targets and three catches, 32 yards and and a touchdown through the air. I mean, it's just real nice to see him getting real work because this is what we've wanted – all year this is what we've been asking for all year and we should not be in a situation where Duran
0: Bland has more touchdowns than Bijan Robinson in a season yeah it's it's funny because like they we got the whole press conference thing why is Bijan not getting the ball and Arthur Smith word vomits for five minutes and says absolutely nothing but then proceeds to give Bijan the ball for the next two weeks, and you see what happens. I mean, yep. it's not fucking rocket science. I'm sorry to say it. Um, <laughs> I, I hate acting like I know more than an NFL head coach, because I don't. I absolutely do not. But why is this so obvious, and why can Arthur Smith not understand it? I don't know. Did you see the play where he ran towards the side that had no right tackle? I, I did. Somebody who's like, this is this is the level of, quote unquote unpredictability that Arthur <laughs> Smith tries to achieve. He's literally running at the least expected place for, and that's for a reason because it doesn't go anywhere when you don't have a blocker in front. Because yeah, because you know? it doesn't make any sense. That's
1: why it's unexpected.
0: Right. Uh, last player I want to bring up this week. Shout him out because we were a little harsh on him last year and you know maybe that was for good reason but uh I do want to have a moment of appreciation for Jalen Hyatt's first 100 yard receiving game at the NFL level uh right now currently rookie uh number 30 and wide receiver 60 on KTC he has been heavily you know pushed into this lower tier of players From this class, and I'm not going to say that I'm, like, excited to go try to buy Jalen Hyatt or anything. Like, we had our doubts about his NFL projection, but uh, you see at least in a game like this Hyatt showing what he does best, which is stretching the field. Uh, That does translate to the NFL level.
1: I mean, he needed a perfect situation for this game to go Tommy DeVito at quarterback playing against <laughs> the new England Bill Belichick defense. I mean, everything kind of lined up for him battle line. No. Yeah. I I'm obviously joking. I, I mean, Hyatt overcoming all of the struggles. Tommy De-
0: Wait, overcoming Tommy DeVito <laughs> TD. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah. What, what are
1: you, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> uh,
1: Hyatt, uh, overcoming all of the struggles that the Giants are having. Uh, this was a, a a nice game that he looked like a good deep threat. Like He showed a little more than he was showing at Tennessee, because Tennessee it was really easy for him to win a Bulitnikov last year. I mean, you can go back and listen to how we thought about him last year. It was uh, not super, we, we didn't have a lot of admiration for I'm her.
0: still mad about the Blitnikov thing, just me, to be clear. Me too.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that was a little bit messed up that Marvin didn't get it. But anyway, Hyatt, who we're being positive about right now, we weren't super positive about him last year. Uh, and we were skeptical about his projection and ended up being a third-round pick, which seemed about right, and he's putting together an up-and-down rookie season, which is to be expected, but this game looked a little more impressive than his college career looked because there was a lot of just slants and goes and, you know, manipulating defenses. So uh, just something to grow on, I'd say in the tank bowl
0: yeah i mean that's all you can ask for with this giant season right now <laughs> let's hope we can get a real quarterback in there even though uh, joe shane in the media today saying daniel jones is our starting quarterback okay buddy yeah sure that that is week 12 in the nfl and week 13 in college football, man. We're getting very, very close. I said it at the top. I will reiterate that I am ready for the next steps. We have one more week. I I empathize with you if you are a you know devout listener to Camp Dynasty and you are getting a little bit tired of the monotony of the college football season. I am as well. I will admit it. I am ready to start ranking these players breaking them down watching a lot of film and getting into draft season because like you said colin it's always draft season here at at camp dynasty and it makes it even better when it's actually draft season you
1: you made a purchase a black friday purchase
0: yep i'm gonna see if i can write that off on my taxes as a uh, professional you know device but I got, I'm all ready. I got an iPad, new iPad, Black Friday, ready that's to rock and roll. I'm gonna start grinding tape this week, full analyst mode. Yeah, oh, I got God. the Apple Pencil and everything. I'm gonna be taking yeah. notes on that thing. God. Jesus, that's amazing. Like a pro, might submit my application to PFF.
1: I'm inspired. I don't think. I don't think you are PFF. <laughs> Oh man! I, Maybe we can get the subscription for free though. She worked there.
0: Yeah. Oh, we'd get the we'd get like the NFL team version. That's what we'd get.
1: You got to change your Twitter handle to to PFF Austin.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can do that. I might just do it right now. See if they sue me. We'll find out.
1: <laughs> no, because Elon gives you the little verified PFF right. next to your name now. Right. Yeah. So you can't be a fraud PFF person. How
0: did they even do? Like, did they really like write? a letter to the I don't care whatever they they absolutely emailed you I know they did I I don't (laughs) even want to know what happened it I don't support any of it if you support this podcast and you enjoyed listening this week be sure to find us on the platform that was formerly known as Twitter now called x at camp underscore dynasty and TikTok at camp dot dynasty go check out the latest meme from this week (laughs) the tank dell meme i thought it was pretty good go go tank dell am i right uh and also check us out on youtube uh you're not gonna see this week yeah i was just about to say
1: god damn it
0: didn't record it but we're usually on there every week so go subscribe to the youtube channel and of course like rate subscribe review, share, and follow the podcast feed, which is still the bread and butter here at Camp Dynasty.
1: Oh, man. We're getting so close. So close.
0: You ready to start ranking?
1: I can't fucking wait. Let's let's do it, man.
0: One more week. Hell yeah. We'll see you there. Week 14, grand finale, and then we're on the big thing so thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week and we'll see you next week